You're listening to the message podcast of High Ridge Church Longview, where our vision is to help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and ultimately make a difference. We are so glad that you're here, and we pray that this message impacts your life as you apply the spiritual truths from God's Word in practical ways. Let's listen in. Thank you, thank you, thank you, everybody. It's so good to see you. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome all of those who are watching online. We love you here. We're glad that you could tune in. So High Ridge family, would you welcome all of our online friends from all over the world? Come on, you can do better than that. Come on, come on. We're glad that you're watching. Grab your Bible and follow along. If you're new to the Bible, we're going to go to the book of John. If, you are, uh, if you've never had a Bible before, don't worry about it. We'll put it up on the screen so you can read and follow along. John, specifically John chapter 21 is where the Lord is leading us today. And I think that God has something special in store for us as we dig into his word and, and let his word just take authority over our lives, I believe that God is gonna speak to us today, amen? I'm so thankful that you're here. I wanna say thank you for all of your generosity. You guys have stayed behind us in the middle of a, 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 a global recession, really, and I love what's happening as God's people continue to give and fund all of our um, fantastic outreaches, missionaries, and all the things that God has called us to do as a church. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you very, very much for supporting us financially. It means a lot. For people that aren't here to say thank you today, it means the world to them. So thank you. Uh, we also have some, some very, very special things that are happening in, our, in the culture of our church. I believe that uh, anytime somebody's taking a step of faith and when the culture is producing people to step out and do something special and important that we ought to honor that. And so uh, Julie Catherine, one of our worship leaders, has a brand new single out on all music platforms. The song, The Long Way, just dropped on Saturday. And so we are so excited to see what God is gonna do through that. I believe anybody, anytime that you're taking a step of faith like that, that your brothers and sisters ought to support it, amen? amen. I come from the Hispanic culture where anytime that anybody tried to do anything good, the rest of us were like, who do you think you are? You think you're better than me now? Come on. Uh, but we like to support each other. Uh, Pastor Doug now has a book called Don't Take the Bait that's gonna be dropping, is it two weeks? October 19th. October 19th. And so I, let me just tell you, there's not a lot of resource material out there for couples that have had to try to, uh, to navigate through divorce. Now, churches will tell you, don't get divorced, and we hope that you never get divorced, but what happens if you got no choice? There are resources that we believe God wants you to have, and so this is a great resource for that. That's coming out, and we're gonna support that as a church family. It's an awesome thing to watch people taking a step of faith to help other people. That's a big deal. So as we continue on with our series called Life in the Sweet Spot, we're coming to a, a very touchy subject, something that is, is difficult, I think, for us to not only process, but difficult to understand because our world has given us uh, a twisted view of what this really is. Today I wanna to talk about finding the sweet spot in the middle of failure. Somebody say failure. 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 We're talking about finding the heart of God in the midst of our failures. You know, Paul says, whatever situation I find my, myself in, I've learned to, to be content. I've learned that, that he's with me. I've learned that the power of God can navigate me through the worst parts of my life. And God has a special place for even those who have failed. I believe it's difficult in our, in our world today to, uh, to talk about, to deal with failure because we don't really know what it is. Now, there was a time for those of us that grew up in the 70s uh, where we knew exactly what failure meant. That means you ain't going on to the next grade. That mean, now, today they would say he didn't master the content or he needs a little extra help because we would never say you failed to a kid. And, and rightfully so, I get that. But that wasn't how I was raised. Mm -mm. You failed for the second time, for the third time. And by the time that you're in the sixth grade for the fourth time and you're growing a beard, like everybody knows, like he, you didn't just fail, you a failure. Like, some of us have been academically uh, 
deficient. And I get it. But there was a time where we would say failure. And we meant this person failed. This person didn't do it. Um, And we try to stay away from that because we don't want people to feel like a failure. We don't want to hurt their feelings. I get it. You would never want a kid to feel that way and, and to kind of believe that lie that they are a failure. But in the midst of us kind of whitewashing what failure is, we've forgotten that it is actually a thing. That there are moments in your life where you have failed. And I believe that uh, generally there are, there are two extremes that we fall into once we think about our process through the failures in our life. And the extremes are either uh, everything's a failure or nothing is. Everything in my life is horrible. It's all messed up. It's, it's crazy. I've messed up this and I messed up that and I messed up this and all my whole life is a failure. And then on the other side, that wasn't failure. I, I, was, having, I was going through a rough season. That wasn't failure. That was the 80s. Like, no, that was cocaine, Mima. That was, that was difficult for all of us. Like, you, you can't just whitewash that. That was a whole decade of failure. Like, that was, that was weird. I get it. Like, no, no, no. That's, that's just the way I was raised. I was raised that way. Like, you can't blame that on everybody else. That's called failure. Well, I'm just Irish, and what we do is we, we run a little hot, and we, we kill people. Like, that's... You, you're... That's not, that's not a thing. But we will blame everybody else and call, that's not my failure. Or, you know, everything's a failure. My whole life is one big failure after the next. If we don't really understand what failure is, we're gonna have major issues with our life. We have to be able to recognize it. And I believe that this is true. Without a clear understanding of failure, we struggle to understand the necessity of the grace of God. The grace of God. If you believe that you've lived your life without failure, first of all, you're deceiving yourself, but second of all, you'll never understand God's grace, much less be able to receive it, because you don't believe you were ever wrong. As we're digging into this, I want to remind you that I am so thankful that the Word of God does not hide failure from us. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you glad that God records in his book the amazing lives of people that were horrible failures? But doesn't just record just the failures. It shows us that God, in the midst of failure, brings a thing called redemption and grace. I believe that as we understand what failure is, we can also understand how much we needed the amazing grace of God. Grace, this unmerited, undeserved favor, this thing that would cause the God of the heavens, the creator of the universe, to look at us in the midst of all of our faults and mistakes and shortcomings and say, I have a plan for your life, and it's bigger than your mistakes. It's bigger than your failures. It's bigger than your sin. I think for some of us, we live in a world where you know, we'll, we'll treat our failures like something to be covered up, something to lie about. We're, we're afraid what happens if, if people are going to find out about this, and they're going to think that I messed up or that I'm a failure, and so I'll just keep it a secret. I'll, I'll try to hide from it, and here's the problem. Long you too small for that. Longview is too small for you to hide from it. Everybody's gonna know. And here's what we like to do. Gossip about your failure. Not about mine, yours. Because it makes me feel better about myself when I can point out your failure. Come on, somebody. It's not a Longview problem. What, is it Sabine? Sabine. For those of you that live in Sabine, like, hey, Sabine's too small for you to think you're just gonna walk away from your failure and gonna whitewash it and, and say, well, I was just having a bad day. And that's not a bad day. I get it. I understand But if we're refusing to call failure, failure, we'll never understand what grace is. 
And that's the sweet spot that God is calling us to, to understand the depths of his grace. In order to do that, we have to recognize where our sin leads us. See, I believe that sin, without being submitted to the authority of God's grace, only becomes greater sin. And so as we're digging into God's word and we recognize that God doesn't hide the mistakes and the failures of his people, uh, it gives us hope. It gives us hope. I want to remind you that, hey, the very first person on this planet when God created Adam, Adam had some failure. We see great biblical heroes like Moses. He had some failure. He didn't just get all the people into the promised land. No, he fumbled on the one yard line like some college teams that I saw yesterday. Mm, failure. I love that the Bible doesn't hide failure from us. Abraham, an amazing man of God, the father of our faith. The Bible talks about his very real failures. David, we, we have a whole lot of our Bible that's devoted to King David and the great things that he did. He was a failure as a king, a failure as a father, a failure as a husband. Solomon, his son, the wisest man that ever lived, had great failure in his life. What does that tell me? It tells me this. Failure is biblical. It's biblical. And because God doesn't hide it from some of our heroes, he wants us to understand that we have to get very real about what our failure is as well. God can do great things through broken people. He still does. But God does not do great things through fake people that pretend they're not broken. That's not a thing. And so we come in the book of John to a man named Peter. And Peter had some fantastic, wonderful moments of his life where he did fantastic and wonderful and great things. And then he had some huge, epic failures. Now here's the good news about Peter's failure. Jesus told him he was gonna do it. It did not come as a shock to Jesus. So they're sitting around and Peter makes a statement, Lord, I love you more than all these other posers. All of your people that you think are really with you, they ain't with you, I'm ride or die. That, that's my interpretation. That's not really scripture. That's, that's how I see it. And Jesus says, do you really love me more than these? As a matter of fact, before the rooster crows or before the alarm clock goes off, tomorrow morning, you're gonna deny me three times. You're gonna say you never even met me. You're gonna cuss and scream and tell people, I swear I don't know who that is. Peter's like, you are insane. I would never do that. Can you imagine just a few short hours later when Peter, not just does he deny Christ, but he does it over and over again. The Bible tells us that as Peter is, is warming himself by a fire and someone confronts him, you're, you're with that guy, you're with Jesus too. This one that has, is now being tortured and about to go to the cross. You were with him, you're one of his disciples. And he said, I swear, I don't know the man. And the Bible says Jesus looked at him in that moment. Can you imagine what it must have looked like? In my mind, it might have looked something like this. Like, bro, you swore you'd never do that. And here's the ridiculous of that mo ridiculousness of that moment in, in the midst of Peter's failure. Jesus looks at him like, I told you. Doesn't come as a shock to me. But the very thing that you swore that you would never do, here you do it again and again and again. I love that the Bible doesn't hide that from us because it gives people like me hope when I have to repent of the same thing that I told God I'd never do again. You ever been there or are we gonna lie in church? 
Lord, I'm right here and I, I thought I could get past this thing and I, I find myself doing the same thing over and over and over again. And Jesus is like, thought you said you weren't going to do this. And the Bible says that Peter walked away grieved. The good news is Jesus loved Peter too much to leave him there in the midst of his failure and his mistakes, in the midst of his, the sin of denying that he even knew Christ. Jesus loves him too much to leave him in that place. And by the way, that is my, that's my definition of failure when you stay stuck in your sin. That's failure. To not recognize that there is a grace that is a saving grace an empowering grace that can lift us up above our sin and give us another chance to keep going, to get closer to Jesus. To, re to, to reject that, that's sin. So as we're looking at the life of Peter and the fact that Jesus loves him too much to leave him there, it brings us to John chapter 21 where Peter sees Jesus. Now to this point, he, th he thinks that Jesus is dead. There's a rumor going around that Jesus has risen from the grave and Peter says, I don't believe that, I'm going fishing. And the Bible tells us that Peter grabs a few of his brothers and they go back to fishing. By the way, they go back to an old sweet spot, something they used to be good at before they failed. There's a pattern that I think many of us have to recognize in our lives. When you make a big mistake, we go back to that thing that used to bring us a little joy. We go back to another life like I, I used to have some success there. Because I failed here, I'll go do that because I was good at that. But the Bible tells us that they caught nothing. There's nothing for you back there. And Jesus comes along walking on the beach and he tells them, hey, why don't you guys cast your net onto the other side? And, and when they do, the Bible says they pull in a massive amount of fish, but the net didn't break. It says 153 fish they pull into the boat. And then Peter looks and recognizes, whoa, that's Jesus. Only Jesus could do that. Says he takes off his outer coat, he jumps in the water, he runs to Jesus as fast as he can because he's been grieved and he's been living with his failure for too long. And he recognizes that the Lord is, is here. The Lord, the last time he's seen Jesus was, was his denial that he even existed, that he even knew him. He runs to Jesus and Jesus tells him, hey, let's do a little breakfast here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna build a charcoal fire and I want you to bring some of those fish that you caught. Let's have a little breakfast, just, just us. And the Bible says that Peter goes back and Peter, by the way, brings the whole net worth of fish on to the shore. That's a big thing. It shows you the amount of adrenaline that is running through this man's body, that this massive amount of fish that it took several guys to pull into the boat, he brings it all into the shore by himself. Read the scripture, it's what it says. And he pulls out some fish and Jesus begins to cook breakfast. And as Jesus does something brilliant, he gets right to the heart of the matter. He, he addresses the elephant in the room. It's, it's the sin, it's the rejection, it's the failure that Peter finds himself in. And in this moment, Jesus loves him. And he asks Peter, hey, do you love me? And with three questions that are almost exactly the same, Jesus places his hands, places the spotlight on that very tender spot of Peter's wound and begins to bring him into a new sweet spot, into a new calling. He said, you're not just a fisherman anymore. I'm calling you into ministry. I'm calling you to do something better than where your failure tells you that you are. So let's pick this up in verse 15. It says, so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, hey, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? As a reflection, by the way, of when Peter says, I love you more than all the rest of these guys too. He said, hey, do you love me more than these? And he goes right back to that moment where, people, where Peter said, I, 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 
I'm ride or die. I love you more than everybody else. Jesus reminds him of that moment in a safe spot, in a conversation that goes deep to his heart. You really love me more than these? Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you, you know I love you. He said to him, then feed my sheep. Then Jesus says a second time, hey, hey, Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, you love me? And I can imagine in that moment that when Peter says, Lord, you, you know I love you, uh, in my mind, there had to be a little bit of tension there. And I would, have, I, would have, I would have thought that you would respond to Jesus like, hey, you know I love you, but can we stop here? Because you're kind of, what we would say, you're putting me out on front street. <laughs> you're kind of calling me out in front of my friends here. Yeah, I got it, I messed up. But you don't gotta point it out to everybody. Come on, don't throw me under the bus. But Jesus doesn't let him off the hook. No, we gotta deal with this. You denied me three times. And three times we're gonna bring you back from that. You need to remind yourself that you do love me. Peter says, Jesus, you know I love you. And Jesus says again, then feed my sheep. It goes on when he says to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And this time it says Peter was grieved because he had said to him a third time. He breaks through. This is the moment where it goes from just surface relationship to really dealing with the issue. It gets past his failure and right to his heart. And he says, Lord, you know, you know, you know all things. You know whether I really do or not. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. I love that he doesn't say, hey, go be the best fisherman that you can be. He says, no, your, your purpose has changed because I've restored you and covered you with my grace. Now my grace is empowering you to become something you didn't know that you could be. What a beautiful picture of Jesus loving somebody too much to leave them in their failure. And I wanna remind you today that Jesus loves you too much to leave you like you are. And here's the issue that we have in our twisted version of Christianity, this strange religion that we call Christianity that's not biblical. We get into this mindset that God loves me just as I am and he wouldn't change a thing about me. I'm perfect in every way. Now, if you keep believing that, you'll never understand or see the grace of God. You are not perfect. We're all messed up. We're all in process. We're all on a journey. We've all made mistakes. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short. Fallen short. You've missed the mark. We have issues. You've got failure. I've got failure. We have failure. Here's the difference between our church and lots of other churches. We'll talk about it. I'll preach about it. I'll share about it. Why? Because I'm not fake and you ain't either. We're better than that. We recognize that doesn't help anybody. We just try to pretend like we've got it all worked out. No, you don't. No, you don't. Here's the good news. When we understand that our failures are not something that we can try to hide and cover up, but our failures are something that we need to submit to the grace of God, we find freedom from them, and God begins to use our failures to help somebody else. That's the great mystery how God could take my sin and make a message out of it. So how do I find the sweet spot in my failure? How do I, how do I find that place? Let me just remind you that um, lots of churches won't teach this and, and they have their reasons. I, I just say it's because it ain't sexy. 
It's not gonna make a lot of people fill up your offering plates full of cash, but this is what we need to hear. You might not like it, but it's necessary. We need to hear what is failure, what is sin, what is God's grace. If we don't understand that at the core of who we are, we'll never become who God has called us to be. We'll spend our life believing we're perfect and we don't need a God. They need God. I just need God to bless me with more money. I need him to make me well when I'm sick. There's a much deeper depth to your relationship with God than just becoming a spiritual Santa Claus. Are you still with me? How do I find the sweet spot in my failure? We defined what, what failure is. Now we can understand how to find the sweet spot, how to find God's grace in the midst of it. Number one, I'm gonna give you three things that are equally important. They're, they're uh, powerful keys that don't get taught a lot in churches, but you have to know this. How do I find the sweet spot in the middle of my failure? Number one, you have to own it. You have to own it. This is a problem for a lot of us because we would say, no, I did this because you did that. I did this because you, 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 you put me in a weird place. I did this because I was under the influence. I did this because I was raised that way. I did this because I can blame them or blame them or circumstances weren't right. You have to, own it. You have to take personal responsibility for your part. Without taking personal responsibility, I can never receive the personal, beautiful grace of God. You have to take responsibility for it. I got to own it. I love that David is the one that slew Goliath, but he's also someone who had another woman's husband killed, but God loved him too much to leave him in the middle of that sin. And in Psalm 51, David repents. There's a word we don't hear a lot anymore. He repents of his sin. He said, God, against you and you only have I sinned. Psalm 51, four, beautiful, powerful chapter where we see a man's heart go back to God and say, I messed up. I love that David in that moment doesn't say, Lord, against you and you only, we've sinned. No, he said, it's me. It's me. I did that. Let me remind you that David understood a powerful lesson from the moment that he killed a giant and the moment he killed a bear. The Bible says he, he slew a lion and he's now having to confront his own sin. Let me remind you of this. You cannot conquer what you won't confront. You will never get past your sin if you're not willing to call it what it is and say, that was my fault. God didn't do this to me. This was me making a stupid choice. I own it, but I can turn from it. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 28, whoever covers and conceals his transgression will not prosper. But he said, if you're able to confess and forsake, you're gonna find mercy. So it's not just, I'm gonna own it by what I say. He said, I'm gonna forsake it. I'm walking away from it. I recognize that is not good. I make no excuses. I need God's grace. I did that. The Bible tells us that Peter, the third time he denies Christ, that he walked away grieved when Jesus looked at him. There's that moment that we're talking about right there where it goes from what I'm saying to recognizing what I just did. When was the last time that you took a look at your failures, at your sin, and you made a choice to walk away from them because they grieved you? I think most of the time we will walk away making excuses for them. Excuses don't get the grace of God. Owning it. That's where God's grace steps in and shows us a better way. 
his amazing grace, this unmerited, undeserved favor from the King of kings, from the Lord of lords that could look at us in the middle of our sin and say, that's not you anymore. Let me tell you, grace, amazing grace, it's free to us, but it was not free to the one that's giving it to us. It costs him the blood of his own son. It's an extravagant gift that God has given us that cost him a lot. Free grace. I have to own it. Here's the second key, finding the sweet spot in the middle of my failure. Not only do I have to own it, but I have to be willing, number two, to learn from it, to let it teach me what it needs to teach me. I've learned some powerful lessons from my failure. And there are things in life that you can't learn until you fail at it. Even Thomas Edison said, I didn't just figure out how the light bulb works. I figured a thousand different ways of how what didn't work. That did not work. I can learn from it. I can learn that that's, that's not good for me. Other people may get away with that and may pretend like they're happy. That, that, that's not good for me. I can't go there. I can't be around this person. That's, that's not good for me. I can't go to that place. I can't think about those things. I can't go to those websites. That's not good for me. I've learned. Learned what? I've learned me. <laughs> There's some amazing lessons that my own failure, that my own sin has taught me. Some of those things are lessons like uh, I can own it without it owning me. I can take personal responsibility and say, that is me at that point in my life. But God's grace has redeemed me and not left me there. I don't have to identify as my sin any longer. I can say because of the grace of God, no longer is that me. I can say I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was living in sin, but now I'm walking in freedom. Thanks be to the grace of God, this amazing free gift that sees me in my sin and says, I love you too much to leave you there. That's a powerful lesson to learn. I don't have to be identified as my sin. Some things failure teaches you, you need to know. You can only learn through failure. Because to that point, it's just a theory. Here's another powerful lesson that failure will teach you. It'll teach you this, that even in my mistakes, God never throws people away. God doesn't throw people away. How do you know that? I love this scripture in Psalm 37 in verse 23. It says this, the steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. So we're talking about a person that has a relationship with the Lord where your steps are ordered of the Lord. Does that mean that you take those steps? It says no, though he, somebody say the next word, fall. I'm not just talking about some sinner that doesn't know who Jesus is, that doesn't understand the grace of God, that doesn't have a relationship with the Lord, that's not actively trying to pursue him. You're saying even in those situations, you're gonna make mistakes. Christians can sin? Absolutely, it happened this morning. Well, who was that? It was you. <laughs> All have sinned and fallen short of the grace of God. Here's what it says. Even if my steps are ordered to the Lord, even if I'm walking with him, I can still fall short and make mistakes. And it says this though, he shall not be cast headlong for the Lord upholds his hand. This is an important scripture for us to know. You gotta know this that even in my failure, 
God loves me too much to leave me there. When it says he shall not be cast headlong, that's a fantastic Hebrew verb. It's the verb tool, which means I'm not gonna throw you out. I'm not gonna cast you away. I'm not gonna throw you out like trash because you made a mistake. I'm gonna uphold you with my hand and say, get into a relationship with me. Let's learn from this. Own it. Learn from it. Anybody ever been in a situation where you were thrown out? <laughs> you ever been? No, just me? We're gonna do every, we're gonna lie in church on Sunday? You never been thrown out? <laughs> Boy, some of you weren't raised in the 90s when you go to them bars and run your mouth and realize your mouth is writing checks that your fist can't cash. And they call them bouncers for a reason. And that reason is you are gonna bounce when they throw you out. Nobody, we're not, we can't be honest in God's house today. I'm trying to be honest, I'm just telling you. I got a smart mouth. I say things that get me in trouble. I offend people. Now I just do it for the Lord. <laughs> I was raised on the south side of the kingdom. I get it. I've had to learn. I've learned some powerful lessons that even in the midst of my sin, God doesn't throw me away. But he does a beautiful work called redemption. And he takes that stupid smart mouth, that arrogance, that stupidity, and the ignorance and they said, I'm gonna make you a pastor. And you're like, you are out of your mind. I've had to learn. God doesn't throw people away. And he ain't here to throw you away either. He's here to give you a beautiful gift called grace. Somebody say it with me. Grace. Let me say it this way. Failure is only failure if you choose to stay in it and learn nothing from it. It'll teach you. It'll teach you. You don't have to stay there. God's grace is bigger than your mistakes. He's bigger than your worst day. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. We learn from it. Here's the third point, and we will finish up with this. Number three, the sweet spot. How do I find that sweet spot? It's only found by embracing and extending grace. Now, I say it that way because this is where uh, the rubber kind of meets the road. Um, it's one thing for us to understand the grace of God and understand our failure and then to actually receive the grace of God. It's another thing completely to extend the grace of God. When the Bible talks about we're the hands and the feet of Jesus, it's not just so we can go on a mission trip to Africa at one point in our life. No, it's more than that. When it talks about us being the light of the world, it's more than just saying on a t-shirt, I'm with Jesus. It's more than just putting on your hat, I go to church, putting a bumper sticker, it's more than that. It's learning to extend grace, which is hard for us to do. Learning how to forgive ourselves, learning how to accept the forgiveness of the Lord, learning how to forgive somebody else, that's a work that only the Holy Spirit can do. It's difficult for us. But I love that in this moment where Jesus reinstates Peter, he takes him back to his denial, he takes him back to his failure, and he begins to deal with that issue and tells him, look, let's not, let's not pretend that this didn't happen. Let's deal with it because I'm gonna show you something called grace and I'm gonna show you how that grace can be used for somebody else. Now, the Bible tells us that, that uh, Jesus builds a, builds a charcoal fire. This is so cool because um, I hadn't thought about this until you, until you look it up. But that, that word that it uses for the, the fire that Jesus builds, it's an interesting word. It only appears twice in scripture. One, one time here in John 21, and the other time it appears is in John 18 as the same charcoal fire that Peter warmed himself by as he's denying Christ. Mm -hmm. 
So God in his genius takes Peter back to even the smell of that moment. Takes him right back to that failure and says, let's deal with this. We're gonna learn from it. And I'm gonna show you that my grace is big enough to cover you on your worst day. You're not just gonna avoid it. I'm not gonna pretend it didn't happen. But I'm gonna extend grace to you. And I'm gonna show you how to extend grace to somebody else. There's a beautiful story of forgiveness there that all of us can still learn a lesson from. That story of forgiveness is something that we love when we've done wrong. But it's a different story entirely when someone's done something wrong to us. Let me remind you of this. In Matthew chapter six, Jesus himself says, if you forgive others the wrong they have done to you, your father in heaven will forgive you of your wrongs. We like the second part, not so much the first part. That's hard to do. I can embrace grace. The question is, can I extend it? That's hard. It's hard. Hard to do. That's where it gets painful. That's where grace does its best work. It doesn't just save us, doesn't just forgive us, but it empowers us to give grace away. You see, grace is given to be given away. You know, a few chapters before Jesus restores Peter and a couple of chapters before uh, Jesus uh, is denied by him, the Bible says that Jesus came to Peter and says this, hey, Satan desires to sift you like wheat. You're about to walk through something. But he says this, I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. That's important for us to understand that sometimes your faith can fail. Your belief, your confidence in the goodness and the power of God. See, Peter's in a place where he figured he has to deny Christ to save his own life. He said, well, you, no, I want you to have faith that I can take care of you. No, he said, I pray for you that your faith won't fail. But he says this, it's going to. <laughs> but, 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 when you have turned Again, when you've come back, when I've restored you, speaking of this in John 21, when I've restored you, this is what I want you to do. He says, strengthen your brothers. Use this moment. Don't hide this. Let's make sure we put this in the Bible. This has to be a story where people see that I can take your horrible day and use it to become a strengthening agent to your brothers and sisters. God uses our worst days and gives strength to other people. Our stories of receiving grace and extending grace bring great strength, great strength to those that we share them with. This is what the body of Christ needs. We need stories of grace where you needed it and received it, where you extended it. Let me tell you, it was uh, about 10 years ago on, on Christmas Day that uh, I had a phone call that I will never forget. And uh, someone said, hey, there's someone that, that, um, that called for you, asking for you. And so I picked up the phone and I heard a voice that brought chills to my body, uh, that brought up a lot of painful memories. And it was the voice of the man that had molested me when I was six years old. Talk about a hardcore day. That's not the Christmas that I wanted. And he was crying. And he says, I messed up. And I tell you, in those moments where he's trying to apologize to me, there are things I wanted to say, things that I was, had every right to say, things that I could have said that were painful and hurtful. Let me tell you what you did to me and tell you how you ruined my life. 
But in those moments, I was overwhelmed with the grace of God. And I recognize that there's a power that's working here that's greater than my hurt. And he said, would you forgive me? Like, I don't know what that, what that means. I'm not sure how to even process through that. But in that moment, I was overwhelmed by the feeling of what I had done in my own sin. And I recognized, who am I to withhold grace when I've been given so much? And I said, I forgive you. Now, I can still forgive and have healthy boundaries in place. But to withhold forgiveness from someone that's asking for it, that's sin. And I can allow that to become my biggest failure where someone sinned against me and then my sin was holding on to it, being defined by it and letting it become my identity. And I stay stuck in that moment. Not only has God extended me some great grace because I've got lots of failures in my life, I had a failed marriage, I've had failed times as a parent, I've had failures in business, I've had failures in relationships, I get it. I've, I've been there, I've had to have a lot of grace. But I also know what it's like to extend a lot of grace. Why? Because that's not who I am, that's who I used to be. And my story, hopefully today, can give you a little bit of encouragement and strength that you can become who God has called you to be in the midst of failure. You have your failures. You do. And Longview is too small to keep them covered up forever. I'm thankful that I grew up in a time where not everybody had a camera in their pocket. There is no photographic evidence of a lot of the things I've done. Let me just tell you, if you're looking for a perfect pastor, keep going, because that ain't me. But the difference is, I'll tell you, I don't got a skeleton in my closet. I've got a graveyard. Lots of things. That's not who I am anymore. I know what it's like to walk in freedom and to sit up here in a spirit of honesty and transparency and say, that is who I was. Yeah, I did. But not anymore. It's a beautiful thing called grace. And it's moving into a sweet spot where I can strengthen my brothers out of my own failure. My friend, God wants to do the same to you but you're gonna to have to own it. You're gonna to have to own it. You gotta learn from it. And then at some point, this is crazy, but you're gonna to have to use your story to strengthen somebody else who's walking through the same thing. In those moments, they don't need you to, tell, to, to say stuff like, yeah, you're gonna be just fine. Well, how do you know? I just know. Like, share your story. There's strength that comes. There's grace that comes. When you don't hide it, don't run from it. You're not identified by it. You use it. And everything that the enemy used to destroy your life, God takes it, redeems it, and turns it around to make it your ministry. And just like Peter, Jesus speaks to you and says, hey, feed my sheep. Strengthen my brothers with, the, with your failure. That's your story. And it's beautiful. It's powerful. And the world needs something that's not fake. Give them the real you. Show them the redemptive work of God. Show them what grace looks like. So that's me. That's my story. Grace. That's the sweet spot that I live in. Grace. Grace. I want to finish up right there today as, as we wrap up. I want to invite you to put away your phone, put away your notes. I want to thank you for all of you who are watching online and 
Make sure you let us know where you're watching from. We'd love to disconnect with you and see where this message is going. If you like what you heard today, uh, do us a favor. Would you please share it with your, with your friends? Share it on social media. Put a link out there that other people can hear the story of God's great grace. We need it. Our world needs it. I need something real. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? I'm believing that as we're dealing with this subject today, it's gonna bring up um, some things that I think many of us would rather just kind of leave back there. It's painful. Um, but I believe that there is a beautiful gift called grace that is able to empower us today to rise above our biggest mistakes and to deal with it today. I believe there are some people that you need to forgive. One of them might be yourself. Let God's grace cover your mistakes. Let God's grace empower you to let go. There are some things that you've had to walk through. It may not be your fault, it's your fate. Some difficult parts of your life, painful moments that the Lord wants to deal with today. He wants to help you. I'm believing that this past 45 minutes was not a waste of your time today, but a defining moment in your life where you get real with God and remind yourself that you love Jesus and Jesus loves you. And he's not here to throw you away. With every head bowed and every eye closed, so I wanna invite you to just have a moment between you and the Lord and just say, say this, just say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What would you ask of me, Lord? Where am I? Is there parts of my heart that aren't submitted to you? Is there any area of my life that I haven't forgiven? Are there things that I'm holding on to I need to let go of? You know, I sense this from the Lord. There's, there's some resentment for the person that you're sitting next to right now. You're literally sitting next to the person that God is saying, I've forgiven them, can you? God is saying, I've forgiven you. Can you forgive them? Because you're only hurting yourself. Father, help us to forgive and extend grace. Help us to become who you've called us to be. And we'll give you the praise and the honor and glory because you're worthy. In Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed as we finish today, perhaps you're saying, Pastor, if I'm gonna be honest with you, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I've never started that relationship. I'm not sure how to do that. Or maybe like me, you're at a, had a childhood where you were raised in church, but you've gotten away from God and you need to come home. If that's you and you wanna know how do I get back to a relationship with Jesus or how do I start a relationship with Jesus, I wanna help you. Just like somebody helped me one time. Changed my life and it starts with a prayer. If that's you, I wanna invite you to pray with me. Right here, right now. You don't have to do it out loud. You can do it in your heart. It doesn't matter. Most important thing is that you believe it. Prayer starts this way. If you want a relationship with Jesus, say this. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe that you came and died, rose from the grave so that I could have life and forgiveness for all of my sins. Would you give me your grace? Be my boss, my Lord and Savior. I want to give my life to you right now. And in Jesus' name I pray.
with heads bowed and eyes closed, my friend, if that was actually you and you prayed that prayer, would you do me a favor all across this place? Just lift up your hands. That was me. I prayed it. That was me. Good. That was me. I prayed that prayer with you today. If you're watching online and you prayed that prayer, I'm so proud of you. As a matter of fact, there's a number going to appear on your screen. The number is 844-HRC-TEXT. Would you text me? Text the words, I prayed. And I'm going to send you the links of some things that will help you understand what just happened inside your heart and then what to do next. It's my gift to you to help you on your journey. It's an honor for me to do that. I'm grateful for you, proud of you. Well, Highbridge family, go ahead and look up at me if you would, then stand to your feet. I'm gonna have our elders and their wives step forward. They're gonna remain standing here as the service ends to be available to pray for you about anything that you might need prayer for. And for everybody else, hey, I wanna pray for you and bless you as we go. Can I do that? Father, I thank you for my friends. Thank you for your word. I pray that your word would plant deep roots into the soil of our lives, bringing great fruit. I pray that you would help my friends to become all that you've called them to be as they walk close to you in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen. God bless you as you go. I hope you have an amazing week. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by the message. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review wherever you're listening. If you wanna be a part of our online community, connect with us through Facebook or Instagram with the handle at HighRidgeLV, or you can check out our website at HighRidgeLV.com. Lastly, if this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to support its work, visit highridgelv.com give. We appreciate your support and we're believing with you today for God's best in your life. Have an incredible week and we will see you next time.